It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, my friend, and welcome back or welcome to Catch Up with Louise Makshari, depending on whether this is your first visit or you're a regular. Thank you for choosing to spend some time with me. I won't lie, this week was the first week that I thought there might not be a podcast because my voice has only just returned to me. Um, remember last week I was complaining about being hoarse? Well, I got quite sick, um, but, you know, still went about my life because um, I'm stupid and I ended up completely losing my voice. Um, uh, but it came back just in time. I'm still obviously not 100% in terms of the tune and quality of my timbre. But, you know, I'm here. And sure, it's better than nothing. Um, I hope you had a lovely week. I did. Um, had a great weekend at Other Voices. I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, I'm actually speaking to you live well, not live, actually recorded. I'm recording this from a hotel room in London. I'm over just for one night just to, to go to my management's Christmas party, which is very exciting. Um, but I nearly didn't make it because I got to the airport this morning. So Thursdays are always a hectic day for me because I obviously record the news slot and the celeb slot for this podcast on a Thursday because I like the news to be as fresh as possible for you. Um, but on days when I have to do things like get a flight um, and leave for the airport at 20 past eight, that's tricky and um, because obviously every you know the people who contribute also have lives and there aren't necessarily available exactly when I need them throughout the day and I didn't know kind of how the day was going to go. So anyway, Long story short, I had to get up with the kids this morning and get myself ready, get my final packing done, record with Aoife, record with Orla and be ready. James Cavanaugh was collecting me in a cab at 20 past eight. And you don't want to keep James waiting. He's famously a furious man. That's not true. He's lovely. Um, but anyway, uh, I it was it was it was hectic and yeah, poor Gordon had been at a Christmas party last night so he wasn't exactly flying on his most cheerful cylinders and everything was just a bit mental um, and as a result uh, I got to the airport relieved finally here I don't need to worry about any of that now and um, didn't have my passport yeah well done me and not only did I not have my passport but I somehow last weekend in Dingle although I'm still convinced I'm gonna find them I somehow lost my keys which have like a card holder on them which has my passport card in it and all my other identifications so yeah 
Anyway, Gordon was delighted, as I'm sure you could imagine, when I rang him and said, hey, I know you're already running late and uh, I haven't been able to help you with any drop-ups this morning, but could you go back to the house and put my passport in a taxi, please? Anyway, long story short, I got it. I'm here. I'm delighted. And um, I'm able to record these bits for you and put this together so that there is an episode. So this episode, I have fought to make this episode happen. And I'm really glad I did because it's a great one. Later on in the show, you will hear the... uh, just wonderful Maeve Higgins. I could not be a bigger fan of Maeve's. She is so smart. She's so funny. She articulates things so brilliantly and is so thoughtful, I think, in everything that she says. And, um, you know, I was just delighted when I had a chance to talk to her um, for this episode. Also, we've got a lot to talk about in celebs later. Harry and Meghan's Netflix documentary, Hello, Hook It To My Veins. Orla Condon is going to be chatting to me about all that stuff later. Don't forget about the show's phone number, by the way. Only delighted to have that phone number. Thank you to everyone who has sent me a little voice note. As I said, like, it's there for any and all communication. You know, some people have been getting on to me about, like, technical issues that they're having. That's fine, too. Um, But I'd love to hear voice notes of, you know, thoughts that might be prompted by the podcast. If there's a question you want to ask, if there's something you'd like to see covered, um, the number is 089-209-6423. That's 089-209-6423. And um, you can voice note on WhatsApp, or if you're not on WhatsApp for whatever reason, you can send voice notes um, the, the old traditional way. But now, let's keep going. And let's get the news from Aoife Moore. Good morning, Aoife Moore, political correspondent at the Sunday Times Ireland. How Good are you? It's, it's very early and we're both not 100%. No, we're not in full fettle, as they say. No. Yeah, I was just thinking that this time last week I was like, oh, my voice is a bit hoarse. And little did I know, a week later, I would still be in this situation. Although two days ago I had no voice at all. So... You know, this is You do sound better than you did at other voices. So Thank you. That's something at least. Well, I mean, a sensible person would not have gone to other voices in my situation, but I think we both know that I am not a sensible person. Um, no. Now, I would like you to know, listeners, before you get aggrieved, I took about 700 COVID tests, not COVID, um, and I don't think it's contagious, whatever it is that I have, because mm. no one in my family has gotten it. It's just some sort of weird... Uh, unfortunate thing anyway that's not what we're here to talk about we're here to talk about the news and there's lots of news to talk about so we might as well get stuck in um first of all let's talk about the well i mean i think some people were shocked by this and then other people were like oh it's another story about housing being absolutely horrendous and but there was a lot of conversation about rent this week yeah i think people uh, there's a theme on this but i think people are getting about desensitized because we get so many of these reports now but um a report came out um this week that the average rent in ireland has increased by more than 85 percent in the last 12 years yeah it's That's not great insane. yeah it's the third highest increase in the european union so it was the banking and payments federation report that came out this week and basically said that this was now it's the that we know anyway but it's the housing supply mm. that's increasing um the soaring prices so as we know there isn't enough houses there is enough rental properties mm. and because there's so many people looking for the one thing that's what drives the prices up um there was also significant growth in mortgage drawdowns values in this year so that's people not only applying for mortgages, but people also taking out second mortgages. Um, and there's just, 
every report more or less says the same thing, but they said that there's a significant gap between average rents and average mortgages payments in Ireland, coupled with significant latent demand, are likely to balance any negative impact for demand and mortgage lending in the short term. So it used to be that renting was cheaper than yeah. having a mortgage, which is just not the case now, uh, especially in Ireland and most especially uh, the big cities. Mm. And yeah, that you know, you're more likely to pay more in rent than you are in a mortgage. So the average first time buyer monthly mortgage payment was just over a thousand euro during the first half of twenty twenty one, compared with the average monthly rent of fourteen hundred euro at oh national Oh my god, that hurts this. With the gap being significantly higher in Dublin. So I mean, do you have rents increased by eighty five percent but from twenty ten? It's crazy. Like the average increase in rent in the same period across the EU was 18%. It's like, I mean, I know we're going to move on to a story now about people's attitudes, but I'm actually getting to the point where why aren't we on the streets every single week? So they said, this is an a really good statistic. So the population since 2011 has increased by half a million, which I thought was quite low, like increased by 500,000 people. And housing output only grew by 130,000 units. Mm. So 500,000 new people, but only 130, or yeah, 130,000 new units of housing. What are we doing? I don't know. Not much, apparently. Not, not much. Um, but yeah, I saw Peter McFerry, who obviously has been working in the area of homelessness for decades, um absolute icon has been talking about people's attitudes to all of this yeah peter mcvary never let it go unsaid peter mcvary is from the north i think a lot of people forget about this um peter mcvary um, most even more opening to a story ever (laughs) (laughs) let me claim this man in some way you need us um yeah he said that people have lost their outrage and become desensitized to the housing crisis i personally don't think we have but I know what he's talking about so he said he said that people are obviously outraged but the government has little sense of urgency when it comes to dealing with the housing crisis and he said he wants to recover the sense of outrage that we had years ago yeah um he said you know that you know when it reached 500 or when it reached 5,000 homeless people you know, we were outraged, then it reached 10,000 people were outraged, and now we're at record levels. Yeah. He calls like a tsunami of homelessness. And he said, you know, we need to bring back like a serious anger and righteousness about this problem because people are, we are, he is right though, like we're used to seeing tents yeah. on the streets in Dublin. We're used yeah. to seeing like loads of homeless people. We were hearing stories of people on housing lists for 14 years. And I mean, while um, I think that we do need to reclaim that outrage and get back to that place, I also don't think we should vilify people. And I don't think that's what he's doing. Um, because at the end of no, the no. day, you know, and I say this all the time, it's come up over and over again on this podcast that like, you know, it's not actually an easy time to be alive because... I don't know if it's that things are worse than they were like decades ago, but we know about it all now. Like it's all right no, there in our face. And for us to keep going um, without losing the will to live, you have to desensitize a little bit. Because if you thought about all of the terrible things that are happening, sorry, Eva, am I wrong? If you thought about it all all the time, like how would you continue? <laughs> this is Lisa McSharry. <laughs> <laughs> 
asking you not to lose the world <laughs> well I am but what I'm saying is forgive yourself if you become a bit desensitised as long as you can get back to the place of right, righteous outrage which is what we all should feel about housing like I mean and I think it's the government that is really frustrating because they like I mean I saw a clip from a debate in the doll the other day now I saw it on TikTok or something so who knows when it actually was but like <laughs> it was one of the um I think it was a Fianna Fáil TD um basically saying to Mary Lou Macdonald that Sinn Féin's policies would drive all the landlords out of the market oh yeah that was the minister for public expenditure Michael McGrath yeah and was that this week or recently yeah, this week yeah it's Tuesday yeah and I just felt like are you in the real world? Like, I, 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 I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I'll try and find the clip so that you can hear it yourself and people who are listening. But like, you know, Mary Lou MacDonald was like, you are driving an entire generation out of this country. And like, you know, look, I don't have a particular affinity to any political party, although I've just realized that I, I could if I wanted to on this podcast. Um, I don't work for RT anymore. But um. But I don't really, you know, but I do want whoever is in power to actually realize that lives are being ruined daily. And it's really hard to get to a place of compassion, even though I know that there are landlords who are in difficult situations. I know that. But to get to a place of compassion for landlords as a group, when as a group, young people, people on low incomes, like, you know, children in homelessness are just more concerning. Yeah, I think as well, the thing you should always, you know, take into consideration in government is you should be working for the many and not the few. And any way you cut it, people in a housing crisis are the many and the landlords are the few. And the thing I always find mental about, you know, you will drive landlords in the market as if a landlord's going to pack up his two-bed in Merino and take it off his feet. It was just wild. I found the exchange absolutely wild. And I'll try and find a clip so that I can include it here. Anyway, we better move on because we've talked about that for eight minutes. But I could honestly talk about housing for a full hour at this stage. I'm so mad. Um, Okay, what was going on this week with Norma Foley, uh, the Minister for Education and Teachers Career Breaks? Okay, so we're in um, a teacher shortage uh, crisis. Partially Um, linked to the housing crisis. To the housing crisis. So there was a Social Democrats um, motion yesterday morning um, where they debated, you know, the, this crisis. And Norma Foley, the education minister, um, one of the ideas that are being bandied around to solve the teacher crisis is that they would ban career breaks. Now, ironically enough, Norma Foley, the education minister, is herself on a career break while she's the Minister for Education. So we know that a lot of teachers go away um, on career breaks um, because it's the kind of job you go on to quite young. Yeah. Um, and then they give people career breaks to go away traveling or, or do whatever they want to do. A lot of them are on career breaks in Australia and Dubai and mm. other places where there isn't a housing crisis. And one of the ideas was that they would ban career breaks. Now, this is a stupid idea for a million reasons but one of them is this would not solve the housing the teacher crisis in this moment most what actually probably would do is most people who were away in dubai or qatar or australia being teachers would just quit their jobs in ireland and never come back so there was quite an outcry about this the teacher unions hated it the opposition hated it um so the social democrats motion called for a permanent full-time positions for teachers as well as action on on affordable housing um and the other factors that's driving 
um, teachers away. So they said that they know that there are no quick fixes to the recruitment crisis, but the, a lot of this is because people cannot afford to live in cities. Mm. So even things like um, years ago, there was a teacher uh, shortage in England and my uncle got to go to university for free, um, paid for the, by the British government because they needed teachers mm. um, and he's now still a teacher. Another thing is the the degree can be up to three years here. They said, the union say that that's no longer a luxury that we can afford. We need to get down to one year. And also it's around 12,000 euro where, yeah, and one, and in Bel- in Belfast, it's 5,000 pounds to do the course, whereas down here it's 12,000 euro. Right. So there are things that they could be doing yeah. to make it a lot more um, feasible to become a teacher and stay a teacher. Um, the It appears the Department of Education, ironically run by a teacher, don't seem to have any ideas. Um, but this is also another thing that's going to get worse before it gets better because we're at a stage now where, you know, students are saying that they have free classes all the time headmasters and headmistresses are sending out text messages looking for teachers and can't get them um you sometimes have one substitute teacher looking after three classes yeah um so it's not great it is again driven by the housing crisis because people can't afford on a teacher's uh contract to live in the big cities so they're moving away or getting different jobs yeah yeah absolutely i mean um I, I saw Porig, um, who is, if you listen to him, Grandmam, you know Porig. He has his own podcast now. Um, but he's a teacher, and I saw him saying on Twitter, he ended up on TV loads because he was like, when the average rent came out in Dublin, he was like, this is more than my salary as a teacher. Mm-hmm. So yeah, how can how can we possibly expect teachers to live in the areas they teach in? Um, okay, moving on. Um, there's a lot of chat about strep A at the moment, um, which is a form of strep throat, um, which unfortunately led to the death of a child this week yeah a child we girl died in belfast this week um so there the hsa have asked parents to be kind of on high alert about this um and said you know you need to look out for signs now they're trying not to worry people um kids with strep a infections usually have a mild uh, illness and it can be treated with antibiotics so it kind of appears like a cold or a flu and then it causes infections um like tonsillitis or scarlet fever um and they've just uh, they've sent all this uh warnings out to schools for anyone uh mm. for parents and teachers just to be aware so it's coming into christmas kids are really snotty and full of germs anyway mm. um they've just asked parents to be on high alert so the date this year the hitch PSC has been notified of around 55 cases in Ireland, 14 of which were children under 10, mm-hmm. um, which compares to 22 cases in children under 10 in 2019. So it's not a huge leap, but it is more than where you see. A lot of it is probably to do with COVID. We're down in like, our immunity because of masks and everything else. Um, but a lot because of Because we weren't mixing, I think. Yeah, was, like kids really weren't mixing for a couple of years. So that would impact their immunity. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they've just said, like, I heard the chief medical officer. Remember chief medical officer? I, I heard the chief medical officer on the radio yesterday saying, you know, use kid parents have the best intuition about their kid anyway. Yeah. Um, and it's something just to be a bit more aware of, but there's no need for real panic. 
Yeah, yeah, 100%. And just to say, you know, all of the things that they, they've sent out information, like obviously, you know, contact your GP for various reasons, but they're all the usual reasons. If your kid is dehydrated, if their nappy is dry, if they have a high temperature, all that stuff, in, in, contacting 999, and these might seem obvious, but just to mention, if your child is having difficulty breathing, if there are pauses when they breathe, if their child's skin, tongue or lips are blue, or if they're floppy or won't wake up or stay awake. And those are all things that you know yourself, you'd be calling 999. Um, so I don't think anybody needs to panic. But as always, it's important to keep an eye on your kids, even when they're being annoying. Um, okay, now <laughs> let's move to America. Sorry, I have to lighten it up somehow. Um, let's yeah. move to America. Um, and Because the... The election has, or the midterms have kind of been concluded now. Yes. Thank the good Lord. <laughs> so Rever- um, Reverend Raphael Warnock won the crucial runoff in Georgia. So a runoff is when certain states have runoffs. Uh, Georgia has a runoff when one of the candidates doesn't reach 50%. You have to win over 50% of the, of the vote. If you don't, they go to a runoff. So they had a runoff this week. So it was... Reverend Raphael Warnock, who is a preacher in the church that was founded by Martin Luther King. He was running against a former American football player who has no decent attributes whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, Herschel Walker um, has been a really horrific candidate for the Republican Party. He is a former Heisman Trophy winner. Lots of name recognition. Really amazing in his time American football player. He was a very odd kind of character and a really bad candidate. So he was really anti-choice, really anti-abortion in any case. Rape and says he didn't believe in it. It appeared um, or it emerged during the campaign that he had paid for numerous abortions for a number of women actually of course he had. into having abortions so he doesn't want abortions for anyone except himself and um, this is what they always wanted. say that it will never be politicians will always be able to access abortion when they need it for women in their lives it's the poor women who will always suffer as a result of this it's exactly. just deranged i mean if we're looking for any any positive in Herschel he paid for the abortions at least oh, but um, he yeah, pressured these women into having abortions then it came out that he had domestically abused um, his ex-wife, um, his teenage son came out and said that he was a very violent father, a very absent father um, while he was espousing all these family values on the campaign trail um, so uh, Rever- Reverend Raphael Warnock won and this means that the Democrats now have an overall majority um, in the Senate, which means the Vice President Kamala Harris, no, she's like the tiebreaker. You know, if it's a 50 50 mm. uh, break, she has to break it, but they don't have to do that anymore because they have 51. Um, so it means they get a majority on Senate committees. It'll be easier for Biden's nominees and cabinet to be uh, approved. It just makes life a wee bit easier. No, it is tight, don't get me wrong. They'll have mm. to keep everyone happy, but it does just make everything a lot easier. And it also has sent a larger message to a lot of the candidates that Donald Trump backed and very publicly backed did not win. Donald Trump was a massive Herschel Walker fan and it started this longer conversation within the Republicans that the time for Donald Trump is over. Yeah, He does not win them any elections. He has not won them an election since 2016 and, and anyone that espoused you know Donald Trump's way of thinking for the most part did not get elected. Yeah. Um, so I mean the people coming after him aren't, aren't much great. better but yeah. the, 
Exactly. But this is good. This is very, very good news. I agree. Okay. Um, very, very finally, I just wanted to briefly mention this story because this is a guy who, if you follow pop culture, um, you might be aware of this guy. He used to go out with Charlotte for, from Geordie Shore for ages. He presented that. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah. He presented that. A tattoo show where people got tattoos in secret and just, ta- just, tattoo, just tattoo of us. us yeah he presented that with her um, he's a real scumbag he was on Big Brother he was on X on the Beach He's he is like the personification personification of rotten if you ask me um, Stephen Bear uh, yeah when I saw his face I was like god I recognise him but I yeah. didn't know where I recognised him from because I didn't watch X on the beach or anything but I just, no, you told me he went out with Charlotte yeah so like sense. the main reason I want us to talk about this is just so that everyone knows he's such a scumbag um, yeah so um, as, as Louise's lovely intro um, said there uh, massive scumbag so he took a video of him and his girlfriend having sex in his garden while she didn't know she was being filmed she worked out, she said, and I ended them having sex. And she said, damn, like, don't put that anywhere. Don't show anyone. So the court heard this week that he WhatsApped it to a few people and then put it on OnlyFans without her consent. Um, He said, she said that it was uploaded to OnlyFans. 273 people saw it. They paid $10, which is around eight quid, um, to watch it. And this is obviously done without her consent so her name is Georgia Harrison she has waived her right to anonymity um, and she said this has put her into the worst state of her life she said I can't explain the shame I felt I did not want to leave my room instead of apologising he put his subscription price up from £25 to £50 um, she said I knew it originated from him but I didn't think he'd be so awful monetizing it on a verified account and it's so stupid and so evil um then he put it on 50 percent off it's just just the worst thing so he was arrested on his way back um from dubai in 2021 of course he was in dubai obviously of course um i really need people to google yeah i know we shouldn't judge people on their looks but i really need to judge for people to see how he turned up so he turned up to court in a baby pink suit with a fur coat on a pair of sunglasses and then a rented Rolls Royce. Like think Scott like, Disick at his worst um, but cheaper. That's, yes. That's what you've got. Hugely and like the thing is too like a lot of this will come down to whether the court thinks this girl is a slut or not because that's how the system works and like she has come <laughs> like in a really nice suit. She looks like really demure and really shaken by the whole thing and he is there like playing it up Conor McGregor style for the cameras like giving thumbs up in this fur coat when he's been accused of revenge porn. It's just and he, oh, and, and he turns up hand in hand obviously with a beautiful blonde woman. Like it's just uh, who I believe. I, I did a deep dive on this a few years ago because I, I hate this man. Um and I believe this, the girl he's with, if it's the same girlfriend, was like underage when they met. And like, he's just the worst. But I really enjoyed, there was a tweet yesterday that said, just FYI, the white Rolls Royce Phantom in which the disgusting Stephen Bear arrived at court today is 19 years old, has done 146,000 miles, is actually silver, was out of MOT until yesterday and can be hired for £475 a day from Essex Wedding Car Hire. Yes, he's scum. I hope the conclusion of this trial um, results in just for this girl because she absolutely deserves it and he deserves everything that's coming to him even more thank you so much you're a superstar as always 
No, maybe next week we'll have proper voices and be normal people. We'll be back to full health next week. Wonderful. Bye-bye, my friend. Bye-bye. As I said at the start, Maeve Higgins is so charming and intelligent. It is just a dream to talk to her whenever you get the opportunity. So when I heard she'd done something new, I was straight on to her and saying, will you please be on the podcast? Now, she's she's extremely high podcast quality. Like you heard me talk recently. She was only just on Adam Buxton. So I didn't know what she deigned to speak to me. But she enthusiastically responded. And thank God for that. Um, and her new project or the new thing that she has to talk about is A Very Special Woman, which is a new comedy album. It's available now. Uh, the link is in the show notes. You'll love it. It is just a great way to spend a long walk, a drive or whatever it is you like to do when you need a bit of aerial company. I don't know, maybe it'll help you through a clean or something. It's just great fun. And um, talking to Maeve always is. And I was so thrilled to speak to her a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's, it's been a busy, busy podcast now these last few weeks. Um, but I was delighted to chat to her. We Zoomed. Um, she was in New York. I was in Dublin. And crack ensued. I hope you enjoy. It's such a joy to talk to you. It always is. I'm always thrilled to have an opportunity to chat with Maeve Higgins. Um, and I was delighted to hear, uh, and I learned <laughs> via the Adam Buxton podcast, I don't know how I'd missed it on Instagram, that you had a new album out called A Very Special Woman. And can I it just... Only, it just came out this week. Yeah, I know. But I, I just can't <laughs> believe that uh, this is the the level that you're at, Maeve, is that I'm learning things about your life via the Adam Buxton podcast, only one of the best <laughs> podcasts in the whole world. Um, so congratulations. I w- I would Thanks. like to start by complimenting your curly hair um, in the artwork for the album. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you been embracing the curly girl method, Maeve? Oh, the curly girl. I mean, I'm afraid to even say that near my phone because <laughs> I'll just get like pumped so many different videos. But like, OK, so th- the photo was taken. It was actually this time last year I got like new headshots done. Yeah. There's like a really great photographer uh, who does loads of us comedians here, Mindy, Mindy Tucker. And uh she gives you all these like very specific instructions. Oh, I um, love that. Yeah, it's really good mm. because like I still find it very uncomfortable getting my picture taken, being on screen, all that stuff. Yeah, me too. And she's just so um, precise. Like she's like in the weeks leading up, do this in the days leading up, do this. Oh, wow. And it's all just stuff like, um, you know, don't get a haircut that week or like drink so much water three days before don't drink alcohol that will make your like skin puff up like pr- stuff that probably everyone knows but it's really good to have it all laid out mm. and so I f- was feeling like confident and then I got a big haircut like the week of it. and so I got <laughs> I have curly hair you know but yeah. I have like Irish woman curly hair which mm-hmm. is neither here nor there I feel like it's just kind of seaweed dried out on your head but see the curly girls would have you to believe that it's that's your fault because you're not working with it and if you just put the work in Maeve that's what they want you to believe if you just put the work in I'll tell you and I'll tell them too (laughs) I don't have time okay I don't have time not that I'm particularly busy or anything but I just don't have like two and a half hours every day no it's and like a military regime I I am also not really into the CGM I like I picked up the bits yeah. that I want you know what I mean but I uh, yeah no, ain't nobody got time for that one day you know one of their things is like um you get a Denman brush and you have to oh, yeah. individually spiral each lock of hair to get the best yeah. curl. I was like, I would rather, I tried one day and I got two pieces in and I was like, I'm not doing this. This is just, <laughs> it's not worth it to me. Like, I I, And it and wasn't then, that I had something else to do. I just was like, no. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like I, you know, they also say, um, 
they kind of like it's a real head fuck because they say to you it's your natural hair mm. it's let your curls form clumps alone or whatever <laughs> mm-hmm. and then and then they also say like and then add this and this and yeah. this and these six steps and then do, you know so it's like well then it's not my natural yeah hair. like it's your natural hair under this like, precise set of circumstances regime it's yeah. regime yeah and so I am um, so I think on that day, yeah, when I get layers in my hair, it does behave more curly mm. and that's great. Mm. And but then on that day, um, you know, I had my hair and makeup done. Mm. And so I, I I asked the lady, I was like, can you like make it look as if I have like a shaggy kind of a mop? Mm. And she said, please don't say those words to me ever again. <laughs> um, yeah. So she like went over it with the curler, which is like the only way. It right. OK. Yeah, so got thank it. you. I'm glad you like it. I, I, I like it too. But to be honest, now I've grown it out longer again mm. and I'm back to kind of yes straightening it which I know everyone is like the yeah. sin I but think it's also like oh you just got to do whatever works for you in your life you know Maeve yeah I, that's my whole ethos of life wow, and beauty that's really deep you're welcome you can take that with you and maybe consider <laughs> do whatever it afterwards works for you in your life <laughs> I know. No one's ever suggested that before. Um, So anyway, you have a new comedy album, which I love. Like, I love the opportunity to listen to because I don't know, there's something about sitting down and watching stand up comedy that I feel awkward. But listening to it in my ears, Mm. I love. Um, Well, okay, so I think that's because there's a lot of like specials on TV now and on streaming. And the the problem that like every stand-up knows is you're trying to connect through two mediums. So you're trying to connect to the people in the room yes. or else it's going to be a terrible show, terrible, yeah. bad set if you don't get the people in the room. But by doing that, you're not connecting to the camera, which is like then everybody at home. Right. So it's kind of a translation problem, I think, yeah. with, with stand-up on TV. It's kind of hard to get into. But yeah, I always listen Mm. as well because then it's like you and the comedian yes you hear the audience and they're kind of like signposting you know mm. but apart from that it's I I prefer it as a way to like listen to comedy too as a way to kind of take in comedy I don't really watch specials that much I yeah. mean I watch if they're like if it's like Michelle Buteau or somebody who like literally has such funny physical stuff and like the faces the the shape she makes of her body like everything mm. you know but otherwise, no, you, you norm, I just stand there like a statue just talking. So I think, yeah, audio is a better medium for that. Yeah, I think you're right. It's interesting. I hadn't thought about that before, but the presence of the audience is almost a distraction for me, maybe, or I'm thinking about the vibe in the room or whatever in a way that I wouldn't if I was in yeah. the room or if I have that visual kind of removed. Um, yeah. Thank yeah. you. You vindicated so- me. I feel better about it now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean. For for decades, like that's how people took in com like that's how people took mm. in comedy. You know, like I used to listen. I did listen to like Woody Allen stand up tapes and um. May how dare to- you? You're cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> he has a he has he has some really good like albums and like Mitch Hedberg and Maria Bamford. That's like still my favorite. Her and she's been making albums for years. Yeah. So yeah, I still at the odd time on on um like streaming or whatever, I just pop in a Maria Bamford, mm. get some hits. It's very annoying when someone who's very good makes you feel like you can't enjoy them anymore, isn't it? Like a Woody Allen. I mean, it is and it isn't because I there hasn't been anybody like I know people have been feeling about Kanye like, mm. oh, like I loved him mm. and now I feel weird listening. But there hasn't really been anyone that I've been you know massively attached to that I then have to like stop um 
and also like I'm so, sort of like I don't know if this is but like I still would watch like a Woody Allen movie mm. and almost like enjoy it despite him mm. and I don't because the whole separating the art from the artist thing is is hard like I'm not like an absolute you know never you know I'm almost like haha you made this and I get to like it and you get to be like an old crazy pervert yeah well <laughs> but I also, get to like what you did 30 years ago yeah well exactly historically and also you know like if you're watching an old movie that Woody Allen made or something there's so many other people who were involved in that as well that like you you know you don't necessarily want to erase all of their work just because Woody Allen it turns out is an old pervert <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, the, when it gets hard for me is kind of the more recent work where mm -hmm. like, I don't know, like Kate Blanchett, all, all these cool people are in his movies and they all knew exactly what yeah. he was like. Yeah. <laughs> then it's no fun. Then it's like, also, they're not good movies. It's weird. I do think that like the worse a person gets, maybe like their work suffers for it too. I mean, especially with things like fame and power. Mm they kind of lose it a bit. Like, I think they lose their touch. Like, certainly with Kanye, like the, you know, the more powerful he's gotten and the more money he's gotten and more fame, um, you're never going to, you know, hear anything like his earlier stuff. Yeah. But then, I, and Michael Jackson too, maybe. Mm. Um, yeah. But I don't really know when his whole uh, pedophilia started. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> God. Yeah, I oh know. God. I know. I am. But there's also just like so many cool, amazing like yeah. filmmakers and musicians. Alternatives, who, you yeah. know, are not predators. Yeah. <laughs> you, I, I suppose you could just engage with them instead. I guess. Um, well, the album is great fun. I really enjoyed it. I actually listened to it this morning. Um, and oh, did you? Of, yeah, I did. Um, I really enjoyed it. I feel like I hadn't seen you because I know you're still doing stand up, obviously in New York where you live now. But like, I hadn't seen you do that for a while, and it was really nice to be back with you. Um, because I'm such a fan of that work that you do. But um, one oh, of the things you. that you're welcome. One of the things that you touch on in the album is making friends. And I feel like this is a topic I see coming up all the time at the moment. I could feel like I, I see people constantly talking about their struggle to make friends as an adult, um, <laughs> which I have to say is not something that I struggle with. And it seems like yeah. you're pretty good at it too, really. Yeah, I'm fine with it. But I do hear that a lot about like, it's so hard to make friends. And <laughs> yeah, so I do. I have a routine about it because because yeah, I... I yeah, I think people, it's like anything. Once you get self-conscious about it, mm. it grows and it gets worse. And then, so it's not something that I worry about too much. And I definitely find it, when I first moved here, like which is 10 years ago or something, I had to be really deliberate about making friends. And I, I felt, I did feel like, oh God, it's kind of competitive here. Like it's, mm. you know, you can't just be like, well, we went to school together, mm. you know, since junior infants. So we're friends, whether we like it or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> here it's like, you, you know, it was like a double-edged sword in a good way because it was sort of like, well, I want to be friends with you because you're like so interesting and cool and lovely. Mm. And then at the other side, it's like, well, because you're so interesting and cool and lovely, you have loads of friends here already. So how mm. am I going to like, be, pitch myself or something yeah. but um, people in America have yeah. this reputation for being like you know kind of into recruiting in terms of friends or like you know they're the kind of people everyone hears over here that like if they say let's go for a coffee they actually mean let's go for a coffee oh yes yeah I mean I are I already feel like both sides of me 
struggling about this because I'm always telling people to come to Ireland like Americans you know and I'm always like talking up Ireland like oh you see my family they're so cute the children look like hobbits you have to visit you know <laughs> and then the minute they say like hey we're thinking about going to Ireland like for the new year for a few days over you know are you going to be there I'm always like Jesus Christ <laughs> Where did they get this idea from? <laughs> like, and I'm also like, how dare they? And then I remember like, oh, I've been actively encouraging people and being yeah. such a fake bitch the whole time about, you know, <laughs> so, but, but here, yeah, you're right. Like if someone says, let's go for coffee. Also literally, like I was saying this to my friend Shanali the other day, she arranged a dinner between me and this other girl or this other woman. I'm trying to stop saying calling women girls. Mm. Speaking of Woody Allen. That's funny because I referred to myself as a girl earlier in a meeting. And then I was like, why did I do that? I'm 40. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not a girl anymore. I like, know. You can be a woman I now, mean, Louise. Girls, like, uh, yeah. But I still say it as well. Like, mm. she was a lovely girl, actually. Mm. It's like some <laughs> six-year-old woman. But um, yeah, like, so my friend Shanali was just like, Maeve, you have to meet May, who's this other woman. And so she just like organized a dinner and I like May and I are really good friends. And mm. like people do that kind of thing mm. because they just, I don't know, I guess there's a social power in like connecting others or mm. there's kind of, what did you call it? Intra recruiting. I just said into recruiting. Oh, oh. <laughs> but we can I call you it that. Using some kind of like I'm kind of into term. that as a term. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's interesting. It's just such a different way to operate than we than we do. We're just I don't know what it is like. We're just so mortified at the idea of anything possibly going wrong, I suppose. Yeah. And, and as well, like being kind of responsible for it. And yeah, but I, I, I have definitely as I've gotten older, been a bit more like okay like I'm gonna have a dinner these six people are gonna come two of them don't know each other mm. let them off yeah like whereas now maybe like okay oh my god I know now she's gonna feel a bit awkward and then he's gonna probably mm. be worried about this and that and that and now I'm just like it's I can't like yeah you it's, know it's funny I I love now I have to say the like little mystery of a, a social gathering where people don't know each other <laughs> and yeah. I recently had a weekend away from my birthday <laughs> And I could only invite like a certain number of people. And mm -hmm. I, so it was kind of interesting because I couldn't invite like, you know, entire groups of friends really. I had to kind of pick bits from here and there. And so lots oh of people didn't know God. each other. And when I was inviting them all, I, I BCC'd them because I BCC everyone on email because nobody wants their email address shared. But what I yeah. didn't realize was I was inviting everybody to a weekend without any of them knowing who else was coming. And they were all too scared to ask because they were afraid they were going to offend uh -huh. someone. And so I created this like wave of anxiety in all of my friends that they and only confessed to. every minute of it. <laughs> well, I genuinely didn't realize it until they got there. And when they said, geez, I was really like, I was so worried about this and I didn't know how it was going to go. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I should have just set up a WhatsApp group. But I was like, nobody wants a, another WhatsApp group. But anyway, they got on yeah. like a house on fire. And um, I frankly, I think I have a talent for um, intro recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell yeah, me. I mean I love that like because yeah. it's also it's a, it's like a generous thing and it's also kind of like a there's a malevolence to that oh yeah <laughs> you're like you're like let's see yeah but I think <laughs> and it is fun to see another side of people because yeah. like you might just expect like especially you know you might know somebody really well in one context like you've worked together for a long time or your kids are friends and they like that mm -hmm. and then you're just like 
Hmm. Yeah. Have I, do I know every side of this person? And of course you don't. No. So it's it's kind of fun to see them interacting with each other. And yeah, to, yeah it's a bit psycho, but it's also like what makes the world go round, I think. I think that's, that's me in a nutshell, really. Um, <laughs> so obviously you're still at the comedy, fair play to you. But um, ah, yeah. <laughs> I know you're doing so much writing now as well. I love seeing it popping up all over the place. How do you find that? Do you find that kind of comes naturally to you or is it a challenge? Well, I've been doing a weekly column with the Irish Examiner for like for over a year, for a year and a half or something. Mm. And doing something weekly, like as as you know, it's kind of um, it becomes like routine. Yeah. Um, And I keep waiting to like get tired of it because I'm pretty I do lots of different things and I'm kind of that way inclined. But I just really like it. I have a lot of freedom there to write about um like not like anything I want but you know I have a lot of freedom to because it's an opinion column it's kind of reported and but mainly opinion um and then I started to write like funnier stuff for the New Yorker last Mm -hmm. year and that's really like I mean this I'm not complaining at all but I would say it takes such a long time to like do short funny pieces yeah I bet um I think it's just like tons of rewrites and I also like I've been I was saying to the editor there it's like hopefully something will come to me soon you know <laughs> like oh a little bird that will land on my shoulder or yeah. something let me tell you I've sat on many a deadline day looking at my laptop being like anything like please, anything, <laughs> anything yeah, at all like, wouldn't it be so nice if a fully formed idea so it's that mixture of like discipline and inspiration that like I think every creative person has to get right mm. um but it's easy to say like get it right like it's like the the everything's so busy trying to like pay rent and get travel and do all this you know other work too that sometimes I'm like oh I feel like in the past I have this idea of like I don't know like New Yorker comedy writers just being able to kind of like sit around and like get lunch and have drinks and like have a salon something like dictated to their secretary or something Whereas now I'm just like hustling all the time still, even though I keep saying I'm going to stop. Mm, yeah. So there's a big long answer for you, Louise. It does feel like people who do our work in, in that sense. Um, yeah. Like, it seems like a very different job now to what it seemed like when we were younger, maybe. Like I kind of wish I was writing columns in a like time when you'd sit in an office with loads of other people and then you'd go for a pint and rant about the mm. world or whatever and instead it's just me in my pajamas at my kitchen table like yeah desperately trying to think of an idea like I write getting paid getting paid probably a quarter of yes. what they're getting paid exactly. while everything costs like five times Way more. more yeah I know I know man it's pretty bleak here at the moment Maeve I have to be honest <laughs> and I'm sure you're seeing that from where you are um but in like, Ireland you mean yeah cost of living the rent like the latest staff report came out yesterday and rents risen by another 14 percent like it's just like oh my god you're just like what are we like what are we gonna do you know I don't know everything is so much more expensive and nobody's making any more money um and yet we're still here because we love the island um well no I mean it's not it's like I read um Fintan O'Toole's book mm, about mm -hmm. you know and it was really I mean, it was really interesting because he has this sweep of like he was like born the same year as my mother and he just has all these decades of experience mm. and 
paying attention mm. under his belt and like this is how it goes like it's it's always like uh crises you know mm. it's like a crisis and it's like so Irish people they leave or they stay and struggle and like it's bullshit it really is it just keeps happening like there's mm-hmm. nothing new here yeah. like you're old enough like you remember 2008 yeah. 9 10 yeah that's when I left like I'm you know, losing left... friends again you know and like that's yes. why I'm good at making yeah. friends actually as an adult is because mm-hmm. I've had to keep making friends because my best friends continually leave and mm-hmm. you know live in other countries and, it... and you never speak to them again <laughs> Oh no, they're cut. Yeah, no, dead to me. Absolutely dead to me. <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, there's a like, you know, they're home at Christmas, Louise. Come on. <laughs> You're just like, I have new ones now. I'm actually really good at this. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very cutthroat. No, like obviously they're still my friends, but you need people to like, I don't know, babysit your kids. No, no. You need no, you know, I you know need exactly. your people. Like the kind of continuity is um is broken and that's Mm. something that happens with migration and that's you know sadly like always been a solution in Ireland Mm. and like the government knows that it's been you know Mm. it's very uh it's very easy to fall back on Mm. and and it's horrible you know Mm. because yes like I feel like I moved here of my own free will and and I did but I think that's also like kind of naive of me to think that because it's like well don't you think it's weird that you left during a rece- like just just the worst point of a recession mm. when like you know you were really stuck because of forces beyond you and then yeah like it there's just more opportunities here but also you don't get to see like your nieces growing up and yeah it's hard one it's a hard one and like I don't um yeah, I don't know like what the, you know, I don't know what the answer is, except that late stage capitalism um, is what we live under, mm. you know, um, and it will it will continue until we change it. Mm. Um, and I don't know. I don't know like what um, what to say to people with the, the cost of living, because it's not fair. It's just mm. not. <laughs> I know it's really not. And and as well, it's like. For what you know like all of this um you know progress and all of you know is all also very destructive you know mm. which is something that I've been writing more and more about since I did the climate climate podcast with Mary Robinson yeah like I've obviously you know I, I still like write about climate learn about climate and and the crisis that we're in there so uh, part of me is like well okay if we're destroying everything <laughs> and our chance, you know, our chances of a safe future, shouldn't we be having a good time at least? Yeah. Like, how is yeah. this working? Like how, you know, yeah. <laughs> like things are actually getting more difficult and we're destroying everything. Yeah. So, and when I say we, I don't mean individual. No, as a, as a, um, as a But race. I kind of mean, yeah. yeah, as a, like just, just humans, you know, mm. um, and especially humans who profit off of the yeah. labor of others like mm. capitalists mm. It, I really do have a problem with mm. <laughs> so yeah I don't know I mean I, I'd love to um do as little as possible and just like enjoy my time yeah um me that's too. kind of what I'd love to do me too yeah. so stop hustling we need to stop hustling life 
We need to just. Well, I mean, there does come a point where you're like, uh, what? like I was saying, like, what's the point of this? Like, I'm yeah. not having fun and everything is breaking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you doing? Well, I don't know. I mean, that was a bit why as well. Like, I kind of always have a love-hate affair with stand-up and, mm. I, you know, I find it hard being on the road and and the kind of life lifestyle that goes with it. It's yeah. really lonely. And um, but then I'm also like, well, stand up is just a really fun, silly thing to do when everything else is really heavy and hard. Yeah. So um, and I and I in my stand up, like I don't really get into um real things. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and I so think it's kind of a break for me. Yeah, kind of that makes sense. So like if you have you have stuff like that, right? Like. I feel like your Instagram is really fun. So, you know, and or your. Yeah. The housewives. I mean, you, music and. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like the housewives, like uh, the shy TV. Yeah. That's my like, it just helps me switch my brain off. I don't have to be serious. I don't have to think I can just. And talking yeah. about it as well is fun for me. It's a real like escape valve, I think, from when things get too much. But someone needs because my other fr- my friend who's an immigration attorney and she works at like um immigrants who've been criminalized like really hard cases yeah. uh she loves the housewife it's like oh, oh she wants to if i lived about. in new york you could set us up for a dinner i actually would if only like, i would I'll love give that. you 25 minutes and i'll be back <laughs> <laughs> well Maeve, as you said this album isn't full of serious stuff and it is loads of fun and everybody can get it it's on Maeve higgins band camp if you could click on on her instagram uh Maeve in america if you click on the link tree at the top it'll take you right there it is yeah. ten dollars or you more can also just like listen to it online i guess it's free in a lot of places too so yeah you can but if you can, maybe, if you wanted to buy it, you could. Oh, I mean, please. <laughs> I mean, I've got um, I've got capitalists to feed. <laughs> Maeve Higgins, <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks, Louise. I'm delighted to be partnering with Now for this bonus segment this week. Now have great festive movie options available right now to help you get into the seasonal spirit alongside their brilliant range of blockbusters and excellent TV shows. And I'm super delighted to have this opportunity because I love to talk about Christmas films. I think they are just such a key part of getting into the mood. Certainly for me, I'm sure for you as well. I also think they're a great way to spend time with family it's not always easy, let's be honest. It's not always easy to hang out with your family, whether it's your parents or your kids. And when you have a film that you can stick on, you get a bit of respite. You don't have to be chatting the whole time. There's no kind of tension. And also everyone has their special family Christmas films, the ones that are like absolutely essential to their season. And that kind of brings a sense of togetherness, I think, even if there's eruptions going on within the family. What, you have a perfect family? You don't have any tension? Of course you do. So today I wanted to tell you about some of my my personal Christmas favorites or my family's Christmas favorites. I mean, first of all, it feels kind of obvious to mention Elf, um, but Elf, I mean, genuinely, it just isn't Christmas without it. We've actually already watched it in our house this year. We put it on when we were putting up the Christmas tree and it was really exciting because Sam is six and he's properly into it now. Like, you know, he remembered watching it before, but he was really laughing um, and I was laughing with him. And I'm just so glad he's at the age now where he can really enjoy them, you know. Um, but my son isn't actually the biggest elf fan in my family. It's my dad who we made watch it a few years ago because I just knew he would love it. And he has essentially taken on Buddy the Elf as his Christmas personality. Like he fully... <laughs> 
fully steps into the role, um, which is highly enjoyable. So yeah, an integral part of our Christmas. I also love the Polar Express, which of course is the animated version of um, the book, The Polar Express. And this one is special to my family because The Polar Express is a book that my mom read to us every Christmas Eve as kids, like right up until we were teenagers. And so obviously that's a special tradition. But what was really beautiful about it is that my mom would cry every single time. So if you don't know the story of the Polar Express, it's basically a book about a train that comes and collects children and brings them to the North Pole on Christmas Eve and um, kind of, you know, institutes the magic of Christmas. And at the end, the child wakes up having been on the Polar Express the night before and not really sure if he's just had a dream or not. And he finds a, a sleigh bell wrapped up under the tree and when he jingles it he hears the most beautiful jingle in the world but his parents can't hear it because obviously the magic of Santa is gone for them and it is beautiful and my mom would weep every year and we would laugh at her because we thought it was ridiculous but now I totally get it because (laughs) you know that is such special magic so I love to watch that one with my kids. And then one that I actually haven't seen, but I'm going to watch this year because so many people absolutely rave about it is Scrooged with Bill Murray. I know I'm like the last person in the entire world to watch it. I'm sure you've watched it. I'm sure you love it. It was made in 1988. It's based on A Christmas Carol. Bill Murray stars as Frank Cross, a tormented TV network president who is approaching the Christmas season in a foul mood. Um, And obviously he begins to be haunted by ghosts of Christmas past, present and future. I'm sure it's excellent. Um, And yeah, I'm going to make it my business to watch it this year. So now has a great lineup of, as I said, the biggest blockbusters, festive favorites and great shows this December, including all of the aforementioned films. You can access them all right now with a now cinema and entertainment memberships, which are actually half price for six months at the moment. So get on board, get into the Christmas spirit. Let me know if you watch any of my picks and love them. Happy festive season. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This 
This week, the celebs were celebbing, as they always do. The holiday had a sequel in all of our imaginations, temporarily. We said goodbye to Christy Alley and Christine McVie, and Harry and Meghan's Netflix documentary caused a right stir. Orla Condon joined me to take us through those stories. Orla Condon of the wonderful Don't Quote Me podcast and uh, my pod on paper, and you know her from previous appearances on this podcast. Thank you so much for joining me once again. We've got a lot to talk about in the world of entertainment this week. And I hate to start on a disappointment, but um, we might as well. Just <laughs> <laughs> Although I don't know. I kind oh of had God. mixed feelings about this. The holiday. There was stories going around this week that we were going to get a sequel, but they were hopes were dashed pretty quickly. Pretty quickly, right? Like usually these things rumble for a couple of days and yeah. then we hear and people have a chance to kind of dream and tweet and it's lovely. But this was like within an hour, I felt like it was kind of shut down. Um, a source revealed to The Sun this week that a holiday sequel, the holiday sequel was in the works that the cast from the first film that's uh, Cameron Diaz who is recently unretired, uh, Jude Law, uh, Kate Winslet and who's the other one, Jack Black, had all signed on for the sequel and that was happening. Mm-hmm. So this ran in the sun, it ran everywhere else. People were sharing it, including myself. I was very excited. Mm-hmm. And then very quickly, and we were hearing information about this. We were hearing about plans to film in, U- in the UK and it was going to start kind of, you know, mid to late next year yeah. and all this kind of stuff, all the kind of normal, you know, source says type things that we see in the tabloids. Um, and then it was debunked. Nancy Myers went on Instagram and was like, sorry, this just isn't true. And then our hopes were that. And Kate Winslet was at the Avatar premiere uh, that night, I think in London, and she responded to it as well on the red carpet. She said, I promise you that not an agent or a representative or anyone from the first film around uh, has had any conversation with me about that. Hand on heart, that's never come up. Isn't it mad that they can just make this stuff up? Like, where did it come from? Like... It's mad and then it also totally isn't because I always just think like a source says is just the most watery, yeah, watery explanation for a story and it's just a grab for clicks. Like that story would have done so. And it, what's funny is the source told The Sun, so it was The Sun's kind of breaking news, but it was the Daily Mail's headline and image that was shared so widely across social. Yeah. And, it, and that's just the way this works. It was such a, qu- a quick win for them. Well, um, isn't that just it? It's, you- it's such a cesspit of like, you know, one paper says it and then there's no fact checking anymore like you know stories are just picked up and exported and they're everywhere in five minutes it's wild yeah and I mean, look, for a story like this, the fallout is is pretty low. Like, the, the, the you know what I mean? The risk yeah. is pretty low. Like, if you get it wrong, you get it wrong. It's yeah. a film. But this kind of stuff is, ha- I mean, we see it with, you know, breakup announcements, pregnancy announcements. Yeah. We see that this kind of language, you know, a source says that, you know, the couple mm. are delighted to be welcoming. And it's like, this was totally false. And yeah, it, it, I suppose it does get into the ethics of that conversation about, you know, uh, journalists and sources and how they can be backed and how verified they are I would say something like this was very much a, it was said to me in passing and I think it could be a good win for us yeah like there's like I said it's if not even, a huge risk like it could have it's been totally, just totally invented yeah and I mean it was fun for a minute I do watch the holiday every single year like without fail it is part of my holiday yeah. film kind of you the know, music is so regulars. good. Yeah. It looks so pretty. Kate Winslet and Cameron Diaz are great. I wish Jack Black was not in it. Oh, I really um, like him in it. Why? Oh, I hate, hate, hate his love story with Kate Winslet's Iris because for and I've I have written about this at length oh, before. I'm ready. I tr- I truly feel like 
Iris's whole story, right, is that she's like in love with this guy who doesn't love her back and doesn't treat her the way she should. So she needs to escape to find herself and find yeah. her independence. And for the whole movie, Jack Black totally dismisses her, ditches her to go be with his crappy girlfriend, makes her pick up the bill last minute for dinners and all this kind of stuff. He's awful to her. And then all of a sudden he realizes that actually she's an option. And we're meant to be like, oh, he he now he sees her. The real love story for Iris is with your man, the older guy, and like how he like reminds her of how great she is. And she's like, yeah, this is such a lovely relationship and such a rewarding relationship, even though it's not romantic. God damn it. Sorry, did I ruin it for you? I'm so sorry. This is why I don't think about things. It's just easier. I know. (laughs) It's just easier. I usually use that method. But Jack Black just... (laughs) No, Every that's a very year. good point. I mean, I could do the same thing on Love Actually for about an hour and a half. I have so many feelings about that film. So um, many thoughts. Okay, all right. Anyway, we're not getting another one, so that's that. <laughs> um, now, let's talk about Matt Lucas leaving Bake Off. Uh, do you think he's leaving Bake Off or do you think he's being left? <laughs> is he silent or is he silent? Exactly. Um, I don't know. I don't think... I feel like the last series of Bake Off kind of went by without much fuss. I will say I dropped out of it about so halfway I. through. Yeah. I've not even watched the final and I still Me don't neither. know who won. And I won't and, and I don't care. No. Yeah. And that is so unusual for Bake Off because usually the conversation runs so wild that you have to be there to watch it. And it just didn't happen this year. It yeah. didn't bite this year. Um, And I, I, it's not to put it at Matt Lucas's feet, but I do think the shift from BBC, the move to Nolan Sally, then Sally left and Matt came in. I do think it's it's long in the tooth now. People are getting a bit sick of these kind of random... Who was Sally? Week. Sally Toxvig. Sandy, 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 sorry. Sally, I was so sorry. confused there for a minute. Sorry. I was like, come on, Louise. Uh, <laughs> I was like, who is Sally? Sandy talks like, oh, yeah. I'd actually completely yeah. forgotten about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. She was yeah, great. So, I mean, she left after three seasons as well. And Matt Lucas has just finished his third season. And yeah, he's announced that he's he's stepping away. Well, he's I'm going to be honest. scheduling conflicts, but. I hated Matt Lucas on this show. I didn't love him on it. I, I didn't love him on it. don't think it worked at all. Um, no. I'll tell you who who do you have some a pick for his replacement? So I've seen the list of like potentials. Yeah. And I do think someone like James A. Castor would be so funny. Oh god, that would be so funny. I haven't even seen that suggestion. I think that's a great idea. But it, who I immediately thought of without having read any of the stuff is Ellie Taylor. Okay. Um so oh, Ellie yeah. Taylor, she was just on Strictly, but I she filled in as the presenter on the Great Pottery Throwdown when um, Siobhan was off because she broke her leg and Ellie was great just like really good fun really good at connecting yeah. with the with the contestants just like lovely I think she'd be a really good fit I think she'd work really well with Noel and that's who, but that's my vote I think they do need to go for someone a little bit more mainstream and I don't mean that as a dismissal of Matt Lucas or Noel Fielding but I think Matt tried to match Noel. Yes. And Noel is such a unique character that you don't you don't need to match him. You need to do your own thing and yeah. kind of, you know, just create an environment. And I think someone a little bit more mainstream that will kind of because I, I watch Gogglebox right now, watch them watch the bake off. Mm. And they love Noel Fielding, but you can see that they don't some of them just don't get him. Yeah. And I do think and I, again not to put it at his feet either, but I do think someone a little bit more mainstream. And again, if she's just come off strictly yeah. That audience Loves. is very transferable audience exactly. over to Bake Off. So, so there that you could go. Work. That's my yeah. suggestion. That's a good um, suggestion. 
there's a lot of names in the mix though like I know Tom Allen is in the mix as well yeah um Ed Gamble so James Acaster is off my new uh, co-host yeah a couple of former I think you're off. right though I think we need so I see I think we need like someone who's more mainstream and someone who's more of a like straightforward who's good at the actual presenting yeah. bits do you know what I mean yeah it's like in radio usually when you have a duo one person will usually be the kind of mad one and one person yeah. will normally be and um, the anchor as, as they call yeah. it they say anchor and responder you know you need the person who's going to do the nuts and bolts and kind of keep the show the on the road because that makes the, yeah. the listener feel kind of safe um, and then the other person yeah. can be as wild as they want and it doesn't mean that the anchor can't be like fun or funny like they can yeah. be but like it's 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 important that you have both those people and I kind of think poor Noel was the anchor in the last series and that's not his natural fit so anyway no, that's enough let him, let him shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, now unfortunately two sad deaths this week Kirsty Alley and Christine McVie yeah really shocking actually um, both women in their 70s um, which Kirstie it has Alley, to be said is young like, now is young now. No, it absolutely is. Kirstie Alley was 71 when it was announced that she had passed away. Um, her family shared a statement to say she had died of colon cancer, which has now been revealed, um, but was only recently discovered. Yeah. Obviously, she shot to fame in Cheers um, in the 1980s as Rebecca. And that kind of was kind of the role that many people would have known and loved her from. For me, my entry point to Kirstie Alley was Look Who's Talking yeah. and that and that sequel with John Travolta, which still I like I still remember having like the VHS tape of uh at home and we would just rewatch and rewatch and rewatch. We loved it as kids. Um and yeah, that was announced that she had died this week. She's had a flooding of of supportive messages from kind of former co-stars and people who've worked with her. Um most notably Ted Danson who played alongside her in Cheers um said that he had only just watched an old episode of Cheers that day on a flight only to land and find out that she had died mm. um, and that he was so sad to hear of her law of her passing. Um, other things that people know her from she was in Drop Dead Gorgeous alongside Kristen Dunst. Love um, that. And Manny, yeah, like Manny, a standout performance that you might have forgotten about. I she to, earned an Emmy in the Golden Globe from Veronica's Closet. Which I was loved Veronica's Closet. But I so have to good. say, for me, like watching her trajectory, uh, because she went from being a thin woman to being a fat woman. And it was, I mean, in the peak yeah. of the tabloids. And, you know, the headlines were insane. Like, I'm, yeah. there was one that was like said that she, there was a headline that said she was too fat for sex not possible there was another one where it was like I'm fat and look like hell uh, loads of people said she only had four years to live she was out of control these are all headlines yeah. from like the 2000s about her um, and you know it was it was interesting as a fat person to watch all of these headlines and watch the, the way that she was kind of talked about now she had a kind of up and down relationship with her weight obviously but she did go on to make a series which was kind of groundbreaking which was called Fat Actress which basically um, kind of made clear that there was no place in Hollywood for fat people even though she was actually doing it as a fat actress at the time and she was beautiful and glamorous and fat and that was you know kind of groundbreaking even though maybe a lot of the jokes these days might make us feel uncomfortable like you know she did something there as well I have a lot of respect for her even though she's a Scientologist yeah. <laughs> that's the sentence isn't it like that is the sentence she's definitely a person that I would have always associated with like that early understanding of like yo-yo dieting yeah and that culture in kind of the noughties and I remember even as a teenager that kind of huge focus on her weight and I yeah. mean she was very regularly on the front page 
pages of those yeah. tacky magazines you know pictures of her out walking yeah. and going into weight loss classes and yeah. all this kind of stuff so great um and i mean that that appearance that she did on the oprah winfrey show in 2005 or 6 i think where she you know she had lost over 70 pounds and she stripped down to her bikini yeah. that is like one of the most famous clips from the oprah winfrey show and she has sin- since went on to say that you know she regretted doing that she wished she hadn't have gone on that yeah. show and stripped down like that it was a huge part of her career for yeah. the better part of a decade and even yeah. still i mean when she went on big brother in 2018 it was still a discussion about oh look at her and does she look better than she did and yeah. has she lost weight and isn't that great and Nuts. all like just all this really toxic conversation yeah. about weight that now we're i mean great like i'm so grateful that it, it feels so bizarre now like yeah. we're still a long way to go but it is just there's no place for those kinds of conversations anymore not in public no anyway place. yeah, yeah <laughs> they're yeah, all yeah. happening in private instead um yeah. okay and christine mcphee of course um absolutely iconic yeah. uh member of fleetwood mac unfortunately died as well yeah, at the age of 79, um, she was behind some of their biggest songs, Everywhere, Little Lies, Don't Stop. Um, and there was a huge amount of shock when this was announced. Yeah. Like some really, really, really sad um, messages of condolence for her. Um, yeah, just, I think, a shock for everyone. She obviously left Fleetwood Mac um, after 28 years in 1928 and then returned in 2014. And Stevie yeah. Nicks made a really heartfelt tribute to her on, on social media. Yeah. Just really, I mean, to say it's a shock when someone's 79 is probably a bit... Um, a bit far from the truth but it, it just saddening to hear yeah. um someone that had such an impact on on music and, yeah. and even people who weren't around at the time yeah absolutely really rest in peace christine mcvee and now today as we speak the first girl part of the this, harry yeah. and megan netflix documentary is live i am Work so excited can't wait. i'm gonna i'm, I'm so on I'm, a flight yeah. today and i'm gonna be downloading it yes i will be watching it on my phone um to watch that's perfect though isn't it like yeah. a flight is a really good time to because you totally are kind of submerged Immersed, yeah yeah the first two the first part of a two volume docuseries called harry and megan which we've heard harry and megan oh my god arrives on netflix today it's three episodes they're about the hour length um and we've heard i mean we've heard nothing else but this documentary for months and months and months but this week in particular after getting uh, a couple of trailers to kind of show us a little bit more what to expect and there's been a lot of scrutiny about um, the portrayal of media scrutiny in the trailers. Uh, UK media outlets have been picking apart a lot of the trailer clips, imagery that was used, footage that was used to try and give a more realistic uh, account of what happened. There's one part in particular that has caused um, a bit of discussion and it's a shot uh, of Harry and Meghan with Archie, I believe, and it's a camera kind of from above and it's the, the suggestion in the trailer is look at this media intrusion, they're just out walking with their child. That has been and it has been kind of verified as a shot taken from an accredited uh, journalism pool at a official visit that they did in Cape Town mm-hmm. uh, where there's only three journalists. So stuff like that is causing a lot of, of, of conversation. But like, um, I think that's you know, hilarious because like, of course, like they're illustrating a point. It doesn't have to be literal, like... You and know, this is it, right? Like Harry and Meghan weren't in the editing room being like, put that no. there. And, put and like, that. like this no is one Netflix's can argue. <laughs> no one no. can argue that Harry and Meghan were not under intense media scrutiny. So for the British yeah. media to be like, oh, oh, oh actually, uh, uh, we yeah. didn't take that picture is just like, yeah. I mean, come on. I think if they, I think that it's like this with all of these kinds of debates. I think if the, if the, the media admitted to the in, intrusion 
they could defend these moments and be yes. like, that was actually a credit. Because yeah. then you'd be like, okay, grand. But yeah. they try and say that like, oh, this is the game for everybody. Yeah. This is how we did it with Kate. This is how we did. And it's like, it's just not. No. It's just not how you did it with it's Kate. Yeah. And you know it. And we um, all know so, yeah. it. Everybody knows it. Um, no, absolutely. It's not, it's not, uh, it's hiding in plain sight, isn't it? But yeah, there's yeah. a lot of royal correspondence, you know, your Jenny Bonds, your Camilla Tominese, uh, really coming out harshly against the trailers. Yeah. First three episodes kind of do a jump between, you know, where they are now and kind of the early years of their relationship. And I think we're going up to about the kind of engagement years. And yeah. then I imagine we're going to get the wedding and the departure, Megs it and all that <sighs> in the second three episodes next week. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Okay, Sorry. well, Orla, I have to get in a cab now and go to the airport. Um, so I will say goodbye. Enjoy Megan and Harry. I'm such a high flyer. I mean, what can I say? It's so glam. <laughs> it's just so glam. Thank As you. I sit in front of my clothes horse, it's just so glam. Look, I mean, if you will make yourself available to me at eight o'clock in the morning, I'm not expecting to look at you in, um, oh. I don't know, the Taj Mahal. Well, keep expectations low. That's what I'll say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Orla Condon. Check out Don't Quote Me. Um, watch or listen to the episode that I recently did to hear my rendition of the White Lotus's theme song. Um, oh, very good. <laughs> very good. Yeah, can't promise good things. Yeah. Uh, talk soon, Orla. Thanks. Thanks, Louise. it's just about time for me to go but thank you so much for being with me and thank you for tolerating my <laughs> my varying vocal tones throughout the episode obviously I had a normal voice for Maeve and uh, the rest is it leaves a little to be desired um, just before I go some recommendations I watched and thoroughly enjoyed I have to say Lady Chatterley's Lover this week this is a new version of the D.H. Lawrence story and um, it is stars uh, Jack O'Connell who I absolutely love have loved since Skins and also Emma Carn, um, who is just I, I just think they're wonderful in it and I've seen kind of a, kind of a, I don't know I feel like it's been getting kind of mixed reviews which I don't think it deserves if you like period drama if you like romance if you like kind of sexy longing um, I think you'll really enjoy it I really enjoyed it I thought the music was great um, it's a nice way to spend a couple of hours on your own which is I think the only way to watch these things it's very sexy I would think that almost anything with Jack O'Connell is sexy, to be honest. Um, but uh, yeah, um, enjoy. I mean, I think no matter what your persuasion is, you will be aroused. Um, then, if you like Vanderpump Rules, which is, of course, the um, spin-off from Real Houses of Beverly Hills in Lisa Vanderpump's restaurants. Well, it's kind of moved away from the restaurants these days. But if you liked the old days of Vanderpump Rules, then can I recommend Southern Hospitality, which is a spin-off from Southern Charm. Very similar vibe. Um, it's, you know, hot, young, vacuous people working in a cool club in um, Charleston, South Carolina. So far, like it's only getting warmed up, but I think it has the potential to be really good. And why not get on at the ground floor? By the way, if you haven't watched Vanderpump Rules, watch Vanderpump Rules if you like reality. If it helps you switch your brain off, this is, it's the stuff of dreams, particularly the early seasons. It's kind of lost its way a little bit, but I still would recommend it. And then my final recommendation, guys, I mean, if you follow me on social media, you will know what I'm about to say. Other voices. I've been going to other voices for the last eight years and I've had so many different types of other voices experiences because the first time that I went, I was in the middle of chemo. 
and I kind of wasn't really supposed to be traveling but like I did it anyway I just felt compelled to and I had the most gorgeous like wholesome time I wasn't really drinking I was just really taking in lots of music lots of positive vibes um and it was it was a really lovely cultured experience other years I have definitely gone and gone mad and um, this year I would say I did like somewhere in between those two things and um, it's just such a lovely festival lovely people it's beautifully organized it's organized with kind of um I suppose <sighs> credibility is the wrong the wrong integrity it's organized with integrity at its heart it knows exactly what it is and what it is is a festival celebrating Irish and international art and giving people a really special cultural experience um, and then there's obviously the party as well and Dingle itself as a town is just magnificent I can't recommend it enough I will be there next year I'll be there every year until they tell me I can't go anymore I can't imagine there ever being a time that I don't want to go um, it was glorious despite my lurgy which, by the way, I am not contagious. I went to the doctor. I did a million COVID tests. It's just an infection. Um, anyway, that's about it. Uh, just a little reminder, the catch-up phone number 089-209-6423. Always there for your thoughts, responses, suggestions. It's wide open. Um, I hope you had a lovely week and I hope you have a lovely week. But if you can't, and this time of year, guys, let's be honest, it can be really tough. And I know that firsthand. Um, so if you're struggling, as I always say, just put one foot in front of the other and I will talk to you next Friday. Day. Thanks a million again to my contributors who I adore and ACAS for having me on the network. I will talk to you soon. It's just Elisa here from Limerick. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Uh, I just felt compelled to send a voice note. I was just listening to the end of last week's episode and there was a voice note on it from a guy. Well, it sounded like it was from a guy. If it wasn't, then my apologies. But the guy said that he um, stepped out for the celebrity gossip. And what I thought sounded quite patronising he said that, well, if you like the celebrity goss, it's okay, but leave it to the end of the episode. I cannot understand why on earth you would voice note someone to say you didn't like a third of their podcast and then shame them for their interest in celebrity, because that's what it sounded like to me. Um, so I wanted to counteract that and say, I absolutely love the celebrity aspect of your show. I think there's always really thought-provoking, really interesting discussions on them. Um, I also like all the other segments of the of your podcast, the News with Aoife Moore, and then your interviews, they're excellent. Um, so I just wanted to say how much I love the celebrity part, and I will not be shamed for liking celebrity culture. And it's lovely to listen to a podcast where you can have really interesting discussions about it. So thank you so much. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? 
Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.